Amen. Chains are gone. Amen. We have been set free. You know, today we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. This wonderful story of courage that we see of the spies that go and spy out the land of Canaan, of which God was promising to the, to the people, the promised land. And of course, as we know, and as we'll see again throughout the course of this sermon today, the 10 of the 12 come back and say, uh-uh, we can't do it. But Caleb and Joshua give the minority report. And so today we will look at courage for the crossing, courage for the crossing from Numbers 13 and 14. Now what's really interesting about this, if you've been with us over the last few months uh, as we were in the first part of our sermon series, Vision for the Future, in which we're looking at some, real, uh, some great principles that we need as we move forward into this next chapter of, of the history of Metropolitan Baptist Church, we're looking at vision for the future. You say, now didn't Pastor Josh preach on Joshua chapter 1, which the people were poised there at the, river, uh, at the River Jordan ready to cross over into the Promised Land? You are absolutely right. And if you know uh, some of your biblical history, you will know that, yes, that was 40 years into the future here of what we're looking at today because the people here missed their opportunity to follow the Lord and to follow God's call into the land. And so they wandered again after this for 40 years, 40 years until that generation of unfaithfulness died away. And then they were able to enter. But here we see still great principle for courage, whether it be our individual life or whether it be our collective life as a church, courage for the crossing into what's next and what's ahead. I want to put a picture here on the screen. Some of you may recognize this person. He is, his name is Desmond Doss, and he is the, the main character in a new movie uh, that came out before the first of the year called Hacksaw Ridge. And this man became famous because he is the only conscientious objector uh, to ever win, or he was the first, excuse me, conscientious objector to win the Medal of Honor. So he went into battle without a weapon, uh, and he was, uh, went into battle most notably in the Battle of Okinawa, in which um, in the midst of that battle there was this need for the soldiers to, to scale this sheer ridge, an escarpment uh, that became known as Hacksaw Ridge. And at the top of that and throughout the entirety of the battle, the American soldiers in World War II sustained great casualties. But Desmond Doss, even though he was a pacifist and a conscientious objector, he went into battle, he was a medic, but refused to carry a weapon with him. And over the course of this battle, it, he is estimated to have drugged injured soldiers, up to 75 of them, out of battle, saving many of their lives. And so at the time, he was the first ever conscientious objector to ever win the Medal of Honor. He was one that went into battle without a weapon. And of course, there were many, as is uh, known in the story and of course is chronicled in the movie, there were many people within, uh, within his group of soldiers that was skeptical of this man going into battle, but yet he proved his courage by going into the fray of enemy fire without a weapon and dragging many of these away. And, and, and uh, as the, as the uh, account goes, his bravery, as many would say, was a big part of the courage of the rest of the, the group of soldiers continuing on, continuing on. But it speaks of great courage, especially the great courage of one person can make a great difference in a group. And so today we're looking at courage for the crossing courage for the crossing starting here in chapter 13 of the book of numbers 
in verse 17, we see that, that God has called Moses to gather up a group of spies. And as I've said before, they were there kind of perched on the precipice, ready to enter the promised land. And God said, go and scout this out. Now, did God need to scout this out because he didn't really know what was there? Of course not. Could God tell them what was there? Absolutely, he could tell them with uh, the infinite detail what was there. He was the God that spoke the entire world and this little plot of land on the grand scope of things into existence. He knew what was there. Did God also know that when they went there, some of the odds would look pretty high? Yeah, sure. Now, we know, as we'll see in the midst of this, some of the, the, the majority report of the spies given embellished uh, an account, but nonetheless, there was some difficulty there was some things to overcome. But God sent them in there so that they would get a report with their own eyes to show what the, what the challenge was like. God knowing all the time that he would overcome this challenge. And so starting in verse 17, it says this, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south, go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether they're few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, you know, the soil is good or not, and whether there are forests there or not. And he says, be of good courage, be of good courage. Again, this very phrase is echoed 40 years later with Joshua as they stand there again, be of good courage, be of good courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was set for the season of the ripe grapes. So bring something back as evidence again of what the land is like. Now again, God knew what this land was like. But he wanted them to see it with his own eyes. Uh, the, 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 the benefits and the challenges alike. And say at the end of the day, are you going to trust that I am still the God that led you out of Egypt or not? Verse 26. Now they departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them all of the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land that you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. It is an extremely fruitful land. It is a good land and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of the Anak there, those that were known to be giants of the land. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. But then Caleb, he quieted the people before Moses and he said, Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Now he knows that they are not well able on their own. He knows they are well able to overcome it because of the one who has called them to go. The one who has called them to go. And so he stands up before the people and he says, let's go and do this. God has called us to this. But before we see this, before we see Caleb and we return to this great character of courage, let's... Uh, Draw out a couple of other things that we see from the other folks. The first thing that we see is that fear is contagious. Fear is contagious. Verse 31 says this. But the men who had gone up with Caleb, so the others, the others of the, the group of spies, 
said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. They, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, that came from giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So we think about this, fear is contagious. Now before we kind of look again at these specific verses here, 31 through 33, one thing that is, is, is necessary to remind ourselves of, of what, they, what, the, what the majority of the group, even the ones that gave the bad report in the end, said of the land. There were obvious benefits to the decision. It said it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And when we think about this, if we kind of draw this into our lives, we think there are many things that God will call us to do when we are living in tune with his will through the reading of his word, through prayer, through obedience. There are things that God will call us to do that have obvious benefits, but yet we don't always step forward in faith and trust and follow him, whether it be in our individual lives or whether it be collectively as a body of Christ, this local church. So why is it when we can see obvious benefits in moving forward and taking a call on that God has given us, why don't we often do it? Well, sometimes it just comes down to simple, purity old fear. We're just afraid. We're just afraid, and that's why courage is something that can be learned just like anything else. It is something when we submit ourselves unto God and we say, we know, God, this is your word. It never leads me astray. And whatever courageous decision I have to make going in the face of coworkers or whatever it may be, when the tide is against me, I do it. Or whether it be something that I know clearly through, through study of Scripture and through prayer, God is calling me to, to do something, I'm going to do it. Or whether it be, again, we have collectively as a church stepping out in faith and making a courageous decision as we're in the midst of now. Sometimes just pure fear comes along and so courage is something we can learn sometimes in our individual lives we don't often take a calling of God even though we can clearly see the obvious benefits because of a special kind of fear which is known as the fear of man the fear of man I don't know if you've heard that term before in the Bible but the Bible talks about the fear of man being what some might call in your teenage years peer pressure and in your adult years, it, the, the terminology may change, but it's the same sort of thing. We are so concerned with what other people think about us that we can be paralyzed through fear of making any sort of decision that, that, that A, may fail, or B, may be something that, that might cause criticism to come upon us. And so the fear of man. The fear of man. So sometimes God will call us to do something that has clear benefits, but it's a fear a fear of man. And then it just comes down to a pure lack of faith. A lack of faith. You know, faith is, as the navigators used to say, faith is believing and living as though the word of God is true, even when I don't feel like it's true. That's what they used to call a working definition of faith. It means that when we see anything that this Bible says, we don't believe that this is just kind of a collection of stories or pithy sayings or or just kind of interesting proverbs that we can put up there with Confucius or anybody else. But we believe this is the absolute word of God in printed form unto us. So when it comes to anything that we're called to do, or any courageous decision, especially anything that might fly in the face of culture, we know that we can trust his word. We can trust his word and it will never let us down. So faith is being obedient unto God and trusting him for the results. 
So not only do we see with fear is contagious, even in the face of obvious benefits, but we see here that it, specifically in verses 31 and 33 that it says they gave a bad report. Why, why was it that they gave a bad report? If they just came back, and I think it's a little bit of what you see in verses 26 through 27, that they are kind of just giving an, object, a, a, an objective report about what's there. So they say, yeah, there's some good things here. There's some wonderful things. There's a great land, but there are some challenges. But then they begin to, in verses 31 and 33, begin to tip over into the line of where it becomes a bad report. Number one, the reason is because they are obsessed, obsessed with the dangers. They're obsessed with the dangers. Again, put it into your context, our lives. Examine yourself. Do you think, and the Holy Spirit, as he speaks to you, can you be, in your life, a Debbie Downer? You ever heard of a Debbie Downer? No matter what it is, maybe we say glass half empty all the time, whatever it may be. It's somebody that is always looking for an issue or a problem or it's somebody that's always is looking negatively at something and they're obsessed with the dangers. Obsessed with the dangers instead of looking at the obvious benefits. So yes, it was going to be a challenge, but they're obsessed with these dangers. Closely related to that is they were obsessed with the feasibility of it. How feasible is it? Can I lay it out in exact uh, detail to the nth degree? Can I figure out exactly what it's going to be, what, what we're being called to do here by God? You see, just like Peter, as he was walking to Jesus, we cannot focus on the waves. We cannot focus on the problems around us. We must focus on God and what he's called us to do with whatever it may be that God calls you to do, whatever it may be that God calls our church to do. We can't focus on the waves. We focus on God and his call. So they are obsessed with the dangers. They are obsessed with the feasibility. But it was also a bad report because they are obsessed with the world itself, all of the things around it. They listed nation after nation after nation. All the ites, all the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amalekites, the Canaanites. And they forgot the fact they were afraid of these nations that, they were, that were there. And they forgot they were going in the name of Yahweh, the one who created these people of these nations. You see, oftentimes we can forget the power of God. We can forget sometimes in our own lack of patience and trust. If we are to have faith and trust in God in whatever it is that he's called us to do in life, if we are to have trust and patience in him, he will see his calling through. But oftentimes we can jump ship on what he's called us to do because of a lack of patience. Lack of patience because God isn't always working on our timetable. See, so folks, we cannot mistake a lack of patience on our part for a lack of power on God's part. We cannot mistake a lack of patience on our part for a lack of power on God's part. He is powerful, powerful to do whatever it is that he has called us to do. We have to be patient for him to do his work. So the first thing, again, that we see is that fear is contagious. But also, forgetfulness is contagious. Forgetfulness, especially related to the one in whom has the one who has called them to go into this promised land. They forgot about this one. They forgot about his power. Verses 1 through 4 says this of verse 14 or of chapter 14. It says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. What a pathetic sight, we think. This is pathetic. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and all of the congregation and said to them, if we had only died in the land of Egypt, 
or if we'd only died in this wilderness? Why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. So now they, because of their forgetfulness, because of their fear and this contagion of it, now they're in outright rebellion against Moses and against Aaron and against the Lord, of course. But forgetfulness is contagious. You know, we often say in that great saying, grass is always greener on the other side. You've heard that saying, right? We have a tendency to look at someone else's situation and we think that's a much greener situation. We look at them and we say, oh gosh, if I only had that, life would be great. All the time someone is looking at us and saying, if I only had that, then life would be great. You know, it's just kind of this on and on ending cycle. Grass is always greener on the other side. Well, guess what? Grass is always greener on the former side or in the past as well. Do you know what I mean by that? We always have a tendency, we can have a tendency if we're being Debbie Downers, if we're being difficult and we're being impatient with the Lord, we can always look back and think that the grass is greener behind as well. But they were forgetting. They're saying it'd be better if we go back to Egypt. But again, they were forgetting not only the circumstances of Egypt, but they were forgetting the power of their God who had called them to go into the promised land. And so some of them, Some of them, they were thinking it would be better. They would take death. They would take death over risk of a change. You know, the question is to them, and then I think the question is to us in our individual lives as well. You know, if we could kind of transport ourselves back into that time and you'd almost want to ask them, but then again, you just, it dawns on you, you must ask yourself the same question as well. Is a safe death or whatever they perceive to be a safe death in Egypt, is a safe death, really better than a courageous death is a safe death really better than a courageous death they're saying let's go back to Egypt let's go back to what we knew but they're called to go and do something courageous called to do something courageous but this forgetfulness was contagious because they not only forgot the circumstances that were there in Egypt but they most importantly forgot the power of their God So fear is contagious. Forgetfulness is contagious. But fortunately, fortunately, courage is also contagious. Courage is contagious. So it says here in verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land. These two, the minority report, they tore their clothes, their passion, their zeal for what God had called them to do. And they saw this vision that God had given them. And they knew it was right. They knew they could do it. They knew that it was, could do it, not in of themselves, but they could do it because God had called them to do it. They tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, The land that we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and he will give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, they say, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. They're our bread. We will consume them. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not, do not fear them. You see, courage is contagious as well. 
God would see it through. Whatever he had called them to, he had called them to cross into the promised land. God would see it through if two things, we see these words and the inspiration of God that, that, that Caleb addresses to the people. If they do not rebel. And by the way, rejecting the call of God as we see here, it is rebelling. Because we're saying, God, I do not trust you in what you've called me to do. So God would see it through if they do not rebel. And God would see it through if they do not fear the circumstance. The people. The people. They kept talking about the people. People. They do not fear the circumstance. I love this saying here from the great Roman historian Tacitus. Listen to this very carefully. He says, The desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. Listen again very carefully. The desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. God called them to cross into the promised land. And he said, I will see it through if, number one, you do not rebel, you do not reject what I've called you to do. And number two, if you keep your eyes on me and you do not fear the circumstance. He said he would see it through in in such magnificence that the, the biggest problem that they kept pointing to, the people, the people, the people that are there, these are powerful nations. Caleb, again, under the inspiration of God, tells the people, they will be our bread These problems would be consumed. And so again, when we import these principles into our life, no, we're not going out as a church or as individuals conquering people over the other side of that river there. But what we know is that when we drag these principles and import these principles into our circumstances, it is synonymous. It is illustrative of problems that we face as individuals or as a church body, those things that stand in the way as possible issues. And he says, do not fear them. Those problems will be consumed like bread. The thing that we have to be reminded of too, and we see this section of Caleb and Joshua's response to the people, it reminds us of his little response that we see to the initial report in verse 30 of chapter 13. And again in that verse, uh, verse 30 of chapter 13, it says, And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. Let us go up at once and take possession. Don't delay. Let us go up at once. For we are all able to overcome it. It reminds us with courage being contagious that fortunately few can challenge the many. Few can encourage or challenge the many. Even one person can challenge and encourage the many. Andrew Jackson says this. One man with courage. One man with courage makes a majority. One man with courage makes a majority. So again, when we look here at Caleb and Joshua as they report to the people, and as we see here in the midst of verses 5 through 9, this threefold challenge that that they give under inspiration of God, they say to the people, let us go up at once. No delay, let us do it at once. Let us take possession of the land. They know it will happen because God promised. And he says, because we are all able to overcome it, not because of ourselves, but because of the power of God. And man, what a stirring speech. He, man, he rallied the group. He rallied the group. And they, they in turn, they got behind him and they said, all right, we're going. No. No. Unfortunately. That's not what happened. Verse 10, 
verse 10, and then 20 through 25 later in the chapter says this. And all the congregation said, stone them with stones. (laughs) What a response. Now the glory of the Lord, though, he appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before the people and the children of Israel. And then jumping down to the bottom of 14, starting in verse 20, it says, Then the Lord said, as he appeared to the people, I have pardoned according to your word after Moses implored God to, 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 to be gracious to the people. I have pardoned according to your word, uh, God says to Moses, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all these people, which all these men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they shall certainly not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of these who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, he has followed me fully and I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. You see, God said his glory would be on display. His glory would be on display because he is the one who called them to do this, ultimately not just for their welfare, but for his glory and his honor. And he says that, in fact, one of the the most sobering indictments that he gave to the people is that he said, these people have seen my glory on display. It's not even something that they're having to guess about. It's not even something that they're having to trust me about. They have seen it with their eyes. They have seen the plagues in Egypt. They saw the release because of those plagues in Egypt of the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, releasing them and letting them go from their slavery. They saw the parting of the Red Sea and they saw the many miracles wandering through the wilderness as he led them with cloud and fire. They have seen his glory. Yet they still said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. You see, we practice courage every day of our life. We practice courage with the big decisions that come along individually in our lives. And we practice courage for the big decisions that come along corporately as a body of Christ. We practice it daily. You see, Chuck Swindoll says this, very, very practical very applicable statement he says about practicing courage courage is not limited to the battlefield or the indianapolis 500 or bravely catching a thief in your house the real tests of courage are much quieter they are the inner tests like remaining faithful when no one's looking like enduring pain when the room is empty like standing alone when you're misunderstood you see The little decisions of courage in life, living with integrity, stepping out in faith with what God may call you to do daily, stepping out in faith together as a congregation to what God may do in our future, those sorts of things pay dividends in the big decisions of courage in life. You see, like any area of life, courage is something we learn. You see, begin with those small decisions of courageously obeying God. They will, they will pay off in the larger decisions of courage in your life and in the life of our church. Will you be like Caleb? Will you be like Joshua as God calls you individually to something or God is calling us collectively as a church to say we will stand up 
and we will have courage for the crossing. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray now as you are calling us as a church body in these next few months to to cross over, make a crossing of our own. Lord, that we would do it with courage and trust. God, we also know God, we also know that individually uh, we are making courageous decisions in our lives. Maybe it's courageous decisions, medical decisions in our lives because there's uh, difficult medical circumstances that we faced for quite some time and we're trying to figure out these decisions that we make. Do I do this? Do I take this medication? Do I not? Maybe it's a situation at work where you know that there's an issue of a lack of integrity. And, and there's someone here today that's dealing with that, like an issue of a lack of integrity in the team or the group they're working on, and they know that they need to do something about it, and it is all that they can do to muster up the courage that they need. Maybe it's an interpersonal relationship within their family or friendship, and there's some courageous decision that needs to be made about speaking with a person about that. God, would you help us? Would you help us if we know clearly what it is that you've called us to do and we know that you give us that clarity, Lord, that we would trust you. We would trust you and we would take you at your word in whatever it is that you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen.